All right, take your Bible with me. Turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. If you've been with us recently, you know we're going through the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, And as we do here, we study through expositionally uh, a text and through books. And that's what we're, we're looking at this morning is 1 Timothy 4, and our text is going to be 11 through 16. 11 through 16. Titled our message this morning, Be Like Christ. Be Like Christ. In 1992, Gatorade put out a basketball commercial that became iconic to anybody uh, who loved basketball, especially at that time. Well, the commercial starts with a video montage of Michael Jordan and all of his incredible moves, dunking on people, his shots, all kinds of stuff that he is just incredible at. And of course, if you know what video I'm talking about, the music starts to play and you, you start to get excited. And the, 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 the music that plays goes something like this, sometimes I dream that he is me, got to say that's how I dream to be. I dream I move, I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike, if I could... Okay, so you, you know, you know what that song is. You get excited if you're a basketball player, okay? And then at the end of that commercial, what, what comes across the screen very end is, be like Mike, drink Gatorade. Uh, what's Gatorade trying to do? They're trying to sell their product. They're trying to find some iconic person that has some talent that nobody else has, and tell you you can be exactly like that person by doing this one thing, drinking Gatorade. Now, what's the problem with that is, you know, we can want to be like someone in one specific area because they have some incredible talent, but should we ever put anybody on a pedestal as to want to idolize that person, want to be exactly like him in every way? Not unless that person, of course, is Jesus Christ. And we look past all the people around us to say, Christ is the one that is my Savior and has done incredible things for me and has given me salvation. He's the one that I lift up. He's the one that I want to be like. We come to this passage in 1 Timothy 4, and this is a conversation that, again, Paul is having with Timothy, a younger Christian brother in the faith that Paul is sending on to minister at the church of Ephesus. And as we come to chapter 4, he's having this conversation with him, and he's challenging Timothy, even though he's known him for many, many years now, to be a good servant of Jesus Christ. We looked at verses 6 through 10 last week, and really the challenge in the verse 6 starts off with, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. And we were challenged last week to be a servant, to be like Christ. Well, he continues this line of thought, starting in verse 11. Let's read it, Uh, follow along as I read. It says, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may, have, may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. 
This section goes from verse 6 to about 16. We're in the second half of this section. But as last week, the challenge that we have this morning is very similar. And I challenge you with this question. Does your life show others Jesus? Does your life show others Jesus? If we're a follower of Jesus, he is our Savior. He is the one that we want others to see in us. And when we say that we're a servant of Jesus Christ, that, that has to mean something. That means that we are willing to give our life and all of our life to him in whatever capacity that he wants us to be his servant. And that's what it looks like. Does your life show others Jesus? <clears throat> Paul is not uh, one that, does not pre- or that preaches what he does not know. You know he, he says in 1 Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He's saying, look at me, and as you look at me, I'm trying my best to imitate who Christ is. Up on the screen, you have Philippians 3, 17, and this is Paul as well. He says this, Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So he's saying, as a follower of Christ, look at my example, because I'm trying to give the best example of, of someone who follows Christ. That, that passage goes on. He says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But us, verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. What's he saying? He's saying keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your focus on who you serve. It's not this world. It's not what you can gain in this world. Those things are all going to leave you wanting. You might reach that next level of your job. You might get that big house. You might get wherever, whatever you think this world's going to offer. But nothing is going to satisfy the way Christ satisfied because that's how we were created. We were created as human beings in the image of God to give him glory. And if we're lacking that, we're not following him, we're missing it. And it's it's not going to bring the joy and peace that we think it's going to. Does your life show others Jesus? Do you find yourself to be a servant of Jesus Christ? That's what we're going to look at today. And that's what Paul challenges Timothy with. Uh, Timothy is not someone, we're going to look at the text and it's going to talk about how he's a youth, but he's not someone that has just become a Christian. He's someone that has been walking alongside of Paul for years. And even so, Paul challenges him, Timothy, don't forget what we're doing. Don't forget we're serving Jesus. And there's going to be a time where you see him. And when you see him, you want to be able to look him and say, I gave everything for you. I wanted my life to be about you. That's what we're going to be challenged with today. And as we look at these Five verses or so here. We're going to look at five lessons for godly servitude. Five lessons for godly servitude that we can find in the text. Lesson number one comes from verse 12, and that is, be Christ-like in your behavior. Be Christ-like in your behavior. Verse 12 says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. He starts out in this verse, beginning of verse 12, says, let no one despise you for your youth. And what he's really saying is don't let your age 
be an excuse for the progress of godliness. Don't let your age be an excuse for the progress of godliness. He specifically tells Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth. And most commentators agree that Timothy at this point in his life was probably towards the end of his 30s, 35 to 40. He probably met Paul when he was about 20 to 22 and has been a traveling companion with him, like I said, for about 10 to 15 years. So he's not a young man, but if you think about Greek and Roman culture, even the age of 40 was seen as a youth, someone who still needed to grow. And so Paul is putting Timothy in a position of authority by sending him to the church of Ephesus and even telling him to teach the things that are biblical and scriptural to those who are elders there as well. So he's, of course, going to be teaching even people that are older than him. But he starts and says, let no one despise you for your youth. We have to look at that same exhortation for us today. We can't look at our kids and say, oh, well, you know, he's just a young kid, so it's okay if he sins. He's going to learn his own way and go do the tough stuff, and he'll learn through that. No, we've got to come alongside of him, and we've got to help him, and we've got to teach him that even though we're young, and there are going to be times that you mess up and you fail, we, we can't count on that or make that an excuse for us to say, oh, it's fine, I'm young, I'll, I'll just live in sin this way or I'll do this. No, we, we teach him the truth. And no matter if you're a young kid that is listening today, you know how much you can be an example for Christ, even to your parents, even in your family, when God is working in you and you're trying with his help to, to live for him and to please him. Uh, God is pleased when we give ourselves to him, no matter what age we're at. And this specific text talks about Timothy as a youth, but I think also we have to think about uh, as our ages change throughout the years. We, we shouldn't look at us as an older person and say, oh, well, that's just who I am. That's who I've always been. And so I I can't change. That's really what we're saying with that excuse is I can't change behavior that's way I've I've done it forever. We have to realize that God gives us the ability through his Holy Spirit and help to change sinful actions no matter what age that we're at. Paul tells Timothy, don't let anyone despise you for your youth. But then he says, he goes on in the rest of verse 12, it says, but set the example of uh, for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. So he gives specifics of what it looks like to serve Christ in this area. He, he first says, in your speech. In the way that you talk, in the way that you communicate to people around you, that could be your family, could be your kids, your coworkers. all of that interaction tells something about who you are. We know it because Jesus himself talked about the mouth. And he spoke in Matthew 12, 34, and he says, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Now, what is Jesus saying? He's not saying that our words are really the determining factor. He's saying that it goes deeper than that. Your words, your interactions with people, they, they show your heart. They show if you have a heart that is willing to be humble and to ask for forgiveness, and that your heart comes out in how you speak. James, we could go to James 3, and there's a whole chapter on the importance of taming your tongue, and we need God's help to do that. Paul, uh, also in Ephesians 4.29, he says... 
Let no corrupt, corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. He says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. And then verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. A whole list that really comes out in how we talk, how we interact. And when do those things usually come out? It's when we're frustrated. It's when we want something we're not getting, and we try to do whatever we can to get that. When someone speaks bad of us, and we try to defend ourselves. All of those things, we can, you can think of situations where those came up, and you were willing to go to sinful means to try to get what you want or try to control the situation. That's not how Jesus and followers of Jesus um, interact with one another. And if they do, they have a willing attitude to come and ask forgiveness. The last part of that tells us about how we should act. It says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Well, as he say, he starts with this conduct of speech. And he says, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to be a servant of Christ, let it be seen in how you speak to one another. He doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, also your conduct. He says, but set the believers an example in speech and in conduct. So it goes further than just what we say. It means that every action that you take is driven by being a follower of Christ. Does that describe you? Does it describe me? Too often I can look at my own life and say, ah, I need God's help. I need forgiveness and I need to move forward in those areas. Third thing he says is be an example in love. And, love. and we need this so much in our culture today because love has been construed to mean whatever somebody wants it to mean and to say that I love in this way and it's validated by whatever I want it to be and mean. But the love that God talks about and challenges Timothy to, to show as an example, is a self-sacrificing service on behalf of others regardless of how one feels. I'll read that again. A self-sacrificing service on behalf of others regardless of how one feels. That means that our love is not driven by if someone's going to love me back, if they're going to like me, if, if I uh, do the right thing and I want accolades from them. That's not the reason that I love. That's not the reason that Christ loved us. We see his love in his actions that he took for us when we were still sinners. We were dead in our sins, and he came to be our Savior. I mean, how big of an impact does that have on marriages? Loving the right way, when you feel that you've been wronged, when you feel that you have the right uh, answer to an argument, and you want to stand your ground, but God starts to prick your heart, and he starts to say, hey, Love the right way. You know, it's not about winning and losing. It's about showing my love, the love of Christ, to each other. That's what he's telling Timothy to do. Be an example of the right type of love. Fourth thing he says is be an example in faith. And the faith here is not the faith of salvation, but it's the faith of trust, a faith of trusting. Be an example to all that look at you that even as you go through hard times or things that uh, in Timothy's case, people who are against you are coming down on you. Show them that you can be trusting God in the midst of those scenarios. We need to be doing that as well, be an example in faith. Last one he men mentions is purity. This is purity in the area of sexuality, in both action and the intentions of the heart. 
And there have been many of pastors, like Timothy, who have fallen because they have let their guard down. And their purity in this area has fallen. And you know what it does? It brings a difficult shame on the name of Christ. It's hard for the Christians in the, in the congregation to get through that and say, well, yeah, he's saying, be pure, be an example of Christ. Live for Christ. Show others what it looks like to live for Christ. One of the things I like to do in my spare time is do some woodworking, different woodworking projects. I don't take anything on big, like a huge house or anything like that, but I'll make a table, I'll make an end, an end table, those type of things. And even doing some of those little projects, there are times where you need certain pieces to match exactly or else it does not fit together well. And so you know what you do? You don't go about trying to draw out each and every one of those pieces in different spots. What you do is you make a template. You make one, and then you match, draw that onto every other piece, cut it out so that they fit perfectly together. Okay? This is the same idea that we're supposed to be with Christ. Who is the perfect template? Is Christ. But we are supposed to be matching our life to his so that as people look at us, they're seeing Christ and his work through us. We want to be examples and servants of Christ. And that's the question. Are, are we showing Christ to the world with what, how we live, how we act, how we speak? He challenges Timothy with that. Show your life as an example. And the first lesson is be like Christ-like in your behavior. It brings us to the second lesson uh, in the text. Lesson number two, be driven to minister the words of God. Be driven to minister the words of God. Look at verse 13. He goes on. He says, Until I come, Paul to Timothy says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and exhortation and to teaching. Uh, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Being devoted is being committed. It means that you're not going to let anything prevent you from doing what you want to do. Uh, when I was younger, about eighth grade, I was just talking with someone about this last week at our, our lunch, um, I started snowboarding. I'd been a skier, but up until that point, I uh, decided, hey, I want to snowboard. And as I took that on, I thought, I'm going to go all in. I'm buying the snowboard. I'm buying the boots, the bindings. I'm going all in. Well, the first time out skiing was probably middle of December. So you know what that looks like in Minnesota if you're a skier. It's icy. It's not a lot of powder. It's just straight ice. And it ended up that the first time that I went snowboarding, I fell, and as I fell, I fell right on my shoulder, broke my collarbone. And at that moment, you could say, oh, man, if that was me, I would throw in the towel. I'd say, oh, I gotta, I'm selling my snowboard. There's no way I'm learning that. But that was not me as an eighth grader. I'm like, okay, uh, I've got a, two months where I've got to re- recover and figure out what I need to do. Um, and at the end of that two months, our youth group was going on another trip, and I got myself right back into it. And, and, and in, my, in, in my actions, what am I saying? I was, I was devoted to learning and mastering that specific thing no matter what came in my way. That's the same thing Timothy is learning from Paul. Paul is saying, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. So he says, be devoted, but then he gets specific on what he's supposed to be devoted to, And three different things that he mentions in this verse, but all of them surrounded and talking about Scripture. Be devoted to God's Word. If you're going to be a servant of Christ, you have to know Him. 
You have to understand the history that he's given to us, that he himself has given to us to understand. It's not what someone has taught me that's separate from Scripture. It has to be in, in his word. Paul is one that is also been devoted and been challenged to be devoted to God's word throughout his time of ministry and his time of missionary work. Uh, we know Paul. He's one that has planted churches multiple spots and has undergone much persecution in doing it. Acts 19. Paul here is at Ephesus. This is the church that Timothy is going to, to Ephesus. But this tells us, Acts 19, verse 8 and 9, says, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Listen to what I just heard. Paul, he went to Ephesus with the purpose of teaching and preaching and telling who Christ was, and he underwent, underwent persecution. And that persecution was difficult for him, so much where he couldn't minister in the synagogue, but he went to a, a spot just outside the synagogue and continued to preach. He didn't run. He didn't turn away. He knew that those people needed to hear God's word and needed to grow in God's word. And even though that difficulty was against him, he was devoted and committed to God's word and teaching it. And it says that for two years, he stayed around for two extra years teaching everyone so that all the residents of Asia heard the words of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. At the end of that, was God blessing his ministry? I mean, he, we're not told right there how many people came to Christ, but all knew about Christ. All knew who Christ was. How about you in your life? Does that characterize the people that you come in contact with? Do they know who you live for? Do they know that you're a servant of Christ? Paul did. He knew it. Acts 20 tells us another scenario of Paul. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us, we get this understanding that Paul was there. He did not shrink from God's word. Even when he knew he was going to ruffle feathers, even when he knew that it was going to be hard for his hearers, he knew what God wanted him to do was minister the word to them. That was his whole purpose, that God saved him to bring God glory by ministering the word. It's all about the word of God. And that's what we find here. He declared it. And he, te- he taught from in public. That meant in a, in a public setting like this and also from house to house as he met with individuals. They talked about God's word. They, they learned it together. Let's get back to our First Timothy section. 4 verse 13 says, Until I come, Paul says to Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Three different areas of ministering the Word. The one is the public reading of Scripture. This is public reading and explanation of the Bible. It's not just reading a text, but ever since uh, the New Testament, and even from the time of Babylonian exile, when they came back, um, they would still read God's Word. 
And as they read it, there was questions in people's minds. And as the person prepared it that read it, he would explain what God's word meant. This is what we do here at Faith Baptist Church. We call it expositional preaching. There's a way that we study the scripture that looks at the intent of the author, why they wrote it, how they wrote it, what they're trying to teach. It looks at the culture, everything that's going around, and it looks at what God is trying to teach in that scenario, and we're trying to expose it. It means we're trying to take out the truth that we're finding for that day and time, but then apply the principles to us as believers living now. That's expositional preaching. That's the public reading of Scripture. He's saying, uh, Timothy, devote yourself to that. Make sure you're teaching people what God's Word is and how to study God's Word. He also says, exhortation. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and to exhortation. Exhortation is taking that next step from just hearing and knowing to now applying it to your life. Help people see that it's not enough to just know the truth, but when there are areas that they fail in, in, in living out the truth, we challenge them with that. We comfort them in that and say, I, I know it's difficult. We need God's help to do it. All of those areas, we're exhorting. It's important for us as we come together around God's word not to just say, ah, that's what it says. That's what it says. We can take it. Oh, we've we got a lot more knowledge about God now. No, it's important for us to say, okay, where am I struggling? Where can I ask for prayer from my brothers and sisters in Christ? Where can I be open and honest about my sinfulness that I need help with? Where am I failing that I need help? And how can I challenge people to live for God? That's what exhortation is. It's not just the knowledge, but it's taking that next step, putting it into practice. Then also he says, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And the teaching is more of a a systematic understanding of God's Word as a whole. From Old Testament to New, we study the vastness of it so we can understand God in a more unified way, and it can affect us. But he challenges Timothy in this, this section to be driven to minister the words of God. Preaching and teaching is the highest calling of a minister. And he, Paul is placing Timothy in that role of being an elder and ministering to those that are around him and saying, this is the most important thing. It's God's word. It's God's word. That's what we stand on. It tells us the gospel. It tells us the Christian life and how to live. It's God's word. It's not my feelings. It's not what I think. It's not what Pastor Dan and Pastor Jim or Pastor, Pastor Day thinks. It's, it's what God's Word says as we study it together and we understand it, how it's supposed to be given to us from God. Does your life show others Jesus? Two lessons we've learned already. Be Christ-like in your behavior. Be driven to minister the words of God. Lesson number three, be faithful with the gifts God entrusted to you. Be faithful with the gifts God entrusted to you. Look at verse 14. He says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. We always have to remember it's this conversation between Paul and Timothy, and he's saying to Timothy, I was there, I know you, Timothy, I know what God, where he's placed you and why he's placed you there. Don't turn away from that. Don't neglect what God has done for you and the gifts he's given to you. It says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Now, he gives some specific wording here that uh, helps us understand 
what happened in Timothy's life. We know that Timothy grew up from a young age knowing about Christ from his grandmother, from his mother, and seemed to be converted at a young age. And as Paul came on the scene, he's, he's become a traveling companion. But at some point, what happened is a prophecy was talked to or spoken about Timothy that he was going to be a preacher or he was going to be someone in the place uh, that God was going to place him to, to be a speaker, a preacher, an elder. Um, and at, at the same time of that prophecy, what happens is that the elders came around Timothy and they commissioned him for service. That means that a prophecy was spoken, but that's not all that happened. The elders got together and they said, okay, let, let's talk about what, what has been said about Timothy. Do we find this as something that's true and from God? And as they got together, they decided among themselves, this is from God. And we're going to show that we, we support Timothy and what God is doing in his life, and he's going to go ahead into ministry. So they came around him, they placed his hands on him, and they did not bestow a specific gift by placing the hands, but it's more of a commissioning, an idea of saying, we, we support what Timothy is doing, and we believe God is using him for this. We see these type of things happen even nowadays. As I was going into ministry, churches have the elders come up and pray over the future ministry of a pastor, and that happened to us. And that's just happening right here. And he says in verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have. He goes back to saying, you know you were there and I was there. You know, it was spoken about how God was going to use you. And all the elders knew that you, were, you had a heart that wanted to serve God. And you have, he had specific gifts that God wanted to use. And he says, Timothy, don't turn your back on those. There's going to be hard times where it's difficult for you. Don't turn your back on the gifts, on the gifts that God has given He's talking specifically to Timothy, but for each of us, we can think of our own gifts. Yeah, do we turn our back on the gifts that God has given to us? Do we look to use them? Do we look to, to be in full service of what God has done and is, has given us? I would challenge us today, as the text does, to serve in areas where God has gifted you. Think about those areas where you know maybe you've worked in the past and you've realized that God really has given you an enjoyment or an excitement or a happiness in working in that area and look to put yourself into those areas. But I would say that that's not the only area we look to serve. We also look to serve in areas where you can develop or discover your gifts. Look to, to serve in areas that you can develop and discover your gifts. Because it's a sad scenario that many would say, well, I thought about it. And uh, I just don't feel like that's my gift. I don't think that's where, where God wants me to serve. Now, I understand thinking through it and praying through it. But what if there is a need that the church has and you could help fill that need, even if you don't feel totally sufficient in yourself to be able to do that? It's a good thing to step out in faith and confidence and say, I know God's, God's going to help me. And if I can help in this area, then I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Serve in areas where God has gifted you. Serve in areas where you can develop or discover your gift. And the last one, serve in areas where there is a need and trust God to give you the strength and ability that is needed. Uh, let me read that again. Serve in areas where there is a need and trust that God is going to give you the strength and ability that is needed. Lesson number three, be faithful with the gifts God entrusted to you. That brings us to the fourth lesson of our text today. Number four. Be fully engaged in God's ministry. Be fully engaged in God's ministry. One of my favorite classes when I was in school 
was, of course, gym class. Okay, now as you think back to your time in uh, junior high or elementary school, you can take two, two different thought processes on gym class. One is, I loved it. All right, I got to do all the fun things running around. And the other process is, I hated it. Okay, I was forced to, to run around and do, run the mile, do push-ups, all that stuff. And if you loved it, you wanted to put all your time and effort into it. But if you hated it, it was something you dreaded, right? Well, this goes to the question of ministry for God's word and giving your life to him. Do you love what, you, what he's called you to do? Are you trying to express what you love by putting yourself in his ministry all the time? Look at verse 15. Paul says to Timothy, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Remember, he's talking about the gifts that he has been given and that God has wanted him to use in a specific way. He says, first of all, practice them. Have it be something that you do continually over and over again. And in doing this, you're going to show how much you love God and his ministry. Your life is about service to him, not about everything else. We see it in the middle there. It says, immerse yourself in them. That idea of immerse to me is like, jumping completely all the way into water, right? You're completely immersing yourself. This is talking about the gifts that God's given you and the ministry that he's called you to. And he says to Timothy, immerse yourself in them. Don't just have them be something on the side that I give a little bit of my time to, but my real joy and excitement is my family, is all that. Those aren't bad things, but what are you immersing yourself in? Is church, is ministry just this little side gig that you do if you got time? Or is it something, as Paul says to Timothy, immerse yourself in it. Because the, because the glory for God is what we live for. And as you immerse yourself in it, you minister the gifts he's given to you, you're bringing glory to God. And he says at the end of verse 15, so that all may see your progress. So that all may see your progress. They're going to look at you, and what are they going to see? They're going to see growth in Christ. They're going to look at you and see Christ growing as you work hard at at doing all the things God has given to you. Be fully engaged in God's ministry. That brings us to our fifth final lesson for today as we find in our text. Lesson number five, be watchful of yourself and your beliefs. Be watchful of yourself and your beliefs. This last Wednesday, we uh, had the opportunity with a bunch of people after Wednesday night service to go over and get some ice cream. And we went to this little, I think it's called the Triangle, and we got some ice cream, and it was fun. It's an outdoor place. You sit at all the picnic tables. But as you're sitting there with other parents who have kids that are toddlers, um, probably five years old and down, their eyes are always watching, right? They're always watching because it's right next to a, actually a, a quite busy road. So they're watching the toddlers. And there was a couple times that we had to call them out and say, hey, hey, get back away from that. That, that's going to be dangerous. Don't go over there. We don't you get hit by a car. We're having fun. We're having a good time of fellowship. But there are dangers that are around us. Uh, in the same sense, Paul is talking to Timothy. And he's saying, I know everything that you have that God has really shown to be part of your Christian walk and what I'm challenging you to do. And then he ends with this warning. He says, but be watchful of yourself and your beliefs. Look at verse 16. It says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Keep a close watch on yourself. Why does he have to say this to Timothy? He's been a traveling companion with him for 15 years. You think Paul would know he's solid in the faith. 
But he also knows that we each have a sin nature that causes us to think in our sinful mind that something other than God is better than God. Something in this world is going to be better than God. And he is telling Timothy, man, keep those thoughts captive. When those come into your mind, you've got to attack them with Scripture. You've got to attack them with the truth of God's Word because you have to be aware that you can, like all the others before you, he's mentioned many times, fall away. Fall away in the sense um, of turning on what God has brought him to. Keep a close watch on yourself. And as he's telling that to Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, think of your actions. Think, so, think of your responses. Think of how you speak, your conduct, all the things he mentioned up in verse 12. And he says, if those things are out of place with someone who's serving Christ, take them captive. Take a close watch of those and attack them. He doesn't say just on yourself. He also says on the teaching. And that really is the idea of what you believe. If you find yourself strained from what God's word is and starting to think that the, the truth that the world is trying to give us is the same as God's truth, or listening to the world over against God's word, then we have a problem. And he says, go back to the scriptures daily. Keep reminding yourself of the truth and your teaching. Be watchful of yourself and your beliefs. Again, he ends with, persist in this, for by doing, by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What's at, what's at stake here is salvation. His salvation. We've talked about how a, a true believer will persist till the end. There are going to be times of you know, thinking through what God's word really says or if something hard comes up. But a true believer is going to persist in faith, in truth, in knowing that God has brought him to salvation and it's through Jesus Christ. Persist in this, for by doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Specifically when he's talking about his teaching. What you teach has to be God's word. It has, and, and as we study the God's Word together, I, I hope and I pray that you can see that it's right from God's Word that we're teaching. It, it's not, again, what Pastor Jim says. It's what the Word says. And we're trying to learn that together and grow in that together. By doing all of these things, we're going to be called the servant of Jesus Christ. We've been challenged by a lot of lessons. Be Christ-like in your behavior. Be driven to minister the words of God. Be faithful with the gifts God has entrusted to you. Be fully engaged in God's ministry. And last, be watchful of yourself and your beliefs. I want to close with a poem by Paul Tripp today, and it's called My Calling. He says this, Brief moments of kingdom consciousness, followed by days and days of self-sovereignty and self-interest. I give so little of me, yet I have received so much of you. I treat ministry like a big, giant step out of what is mine into what is yours. Yet, there is no mine in yours. You have purchased me with your blood. All that I have and all that I am belongs to you for your keeping, for your using, for your kingdom, for your glory. All that I am, wherever I am, whatever the time, will be used in service of you. This is my calling. This is your will. I pray that this encompasses your heart as well, wanting to be a servant of God in every area of your life. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the challenge that Paul gave to Timothy and that we can learn from. To God, uh, fully encompass our life with you is difficult. It's hard. 
just like the poem mentioned, the day-to-day we leave church and within hours even, we find ourselves straying. God, we ask for your help. Help us to take our thoughts captive, to be servants of you, to show others who you are. Help it to be all about your glory in our life. Thank you for your challenging words today. In Jesus' name, amen.